Hey, happy solstice day, everybody. If you like a nice, long, easy sunset, today's not your day. But if you like, uh, you know, a slow start to the morning and an early snuggle into bed, today's your day because it's the shortest day of the year when it comes to the amount of sunlight in the Northern Hemisphere. I think, Dan, I don't know my globe well, and I'm not sure it's round, but I think that in the other hemispheres, Australia, for Australian and uh, New Zealand friends, uh, today's the longest day of the year, I think. I, think I believe that I, is true. I, I've, <laughs> I'm told that's how the globe works. Yeah, I'm not entirely. <laughs> it all, it all, if it, it is all indeed round. Or at least roundish, even. Uh, so happy solstice day, uh, December 21st, um, the, the short day of the year. And um, also a really important holiday in the history of human civilization. Did, did you know this? I mean, people have organized themselves around the skies and the sun and the moon more than any other feature in our, in our human, human development. And... Uh, this is a day that has all kinds of impact most people sort of ignore. If you, if you ask your average person, when is the winter solstice? Landing it on, you know, some mid midday in the United, mid time of the day in the United States, you know, on December 21st is not everybody's quick answer. It's not like when's Valentine's Day, when's the 4th of July, when's Christmas. I mean, these are days you can just sort of, you know, you've got them locked in. But if you're my neighbor across the street, Jamie Bradley, you you know when it is because it's also a birthday. So happy birthday, Jamie Bradley. <laughs> Solstice, here, here, here's why it's a big deal uh, when, when it comes to this conversation about Christmas and even the conversation about the war on Christmas and about how our culture deals with, with Christmas and what do we do as a country and how should a country like ours respond to Christmas. All this kind of stuff is actually connected to the winter solstice. And here's why. Because Christmas holiday itself is connected to the winter solstice. There's a lot of people who think that what Christmas is, by the way, and I get to click into my my uh, my former pastor job role. Uh, and uh, at Christmas time, I just I always love chatting about this stuff because I like the, I like the, the 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 backstory and the history of things anyway. But I really like remembering how Christmas came about. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go back to the book of Matthew or to the book of Luke or to the you know the birth narratives of Jesus because that's not where Christmas started. In fact, for the first 200 plus years, some people would even say four, four to five hundred years, the earliest Christian leaders really didn't like the idea of celebrating births. Birth celebration was what the pagans did. And the Christians didn't like that idea. They wanted to celebrate death days, mm. especially for the martyrs, because that was the day when you were truly born anew into your full spirit life, right? Into your, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fullness of your life. So that's the day you would remember someone based on was their, their death day, not their, not their birthday. In fact, around the world, you know, I think, I think it's in Korea where the date the day of your birth is not as important as the year. So I believe it's the case in Korea that Koreans recognize everybody born in, you know, they'll be, it will, uh, will be born in 2023 on January 1st, 2023. Everybody gets that year. They don't, they don't chop Just it up. Just one you know, cake for everybody. Yeah. 351. I mean, done. you may have been, yeah, you may have been born on a date. It's more the way you date a 
you know, a product like you, you drive the 1996 <laughs> Ford Escort. Well, yeah. you know, no one's saying was that made in September or was that made in, in April. Okay. So birth dates have their own sort, sort of history. What Christmas is not is the birthday party for Jesus. So we sort of start there. Now, I I'm know a lot of people celebrate it this, that way. They it celebrate it that way. Feels a little bit like you're uh, you're encouraging the war on Christmas just by. Uh, I I I am I am encouraging the, I'm encouraging the people's history of Christmas, and <laughs> and here's how it goes. All right, so here's the thing. It's not it's not the birthday celebration. In fact, it's a th Christian holiday. It's a liturgical holiday when Christ when Christmas was started, that the the English word even tells you what it is, right? The Christ Mass. So it was about 221 or so when Constantine, who was the emperor of Rome, had made Christianity the official religion of, of Rome, established that there would be a holiday for the church to celebrate that was about the Christ story, the dawning of the Christ story, the coming of the Christ. You might call it the birth. But it wasn't a birthday. It was a Christ mass. So it was the mass to celebrate this because the two big masses, the two big celebrations in the Christian church, the first was Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, and Epiphany. Those those were the two big ones. Those had been around for 200 years almost. Like people were really organizing on a weekly basis. The reason that they would, you know, move the Sabbath to a Sunday was to announce the resurrection of Jesus from the Friday to Sunday narrative of death to the resurrection. So that was the big one. Much later, they add in a birth narrative, but it's not particularly a birthday. It's the meaning of the sending of the Christ. So Christmas has its meaning, not because a guy named Jesus was born, even though I think that's the most important part of the, the, the Christian story is that the teachings of Jesus as, the, as the, the human one. But the Christ mass was the establishment, uh, was the recognition of the sending of all this beloved one of God, the very son of God. So they land that mass. They decide to hold that mass, not on what was assumed to be the date of the birth of the Christ, but on the winter solstice. So they pick that day for one of two reasons historians think. Either they were trying to take away some of the thunder from the pagan holiday of the winter solstice, which was the big celebration. That's the was the big, the big daddy, that the days had been getting shorter and shorter and shorter, but now the sun is going to win and the sun's going to start to be around longer, right? This is the story. So an ideal story, an, an ideal backdrop for the story of the son of God. And they wanted to match that or they wanted to outdo it. Okay, so this is one of the reasons that they believe that the solstice was chosen as the time when the celebration was going to happen. Also, pagans, pagan people, were already celebrating th those days. December 25th was already the big feast of the solstice. So they pick that day because people are like, hey, we're already we already have an infrastructure calendar-wise and crops and 
people's pattern of life, already knows how to celebrate the winter solstice festival. So let's make that the day for the also for the Christ Mass. So they globbed onto it. They 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 took it. Other people have a have a little different rationale for why it is, and this one's going to catch your might catch you by surprise. Hmm. Why the winter solstice is the uh, the 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 time to celebrate the Christ Mass, the, the sending of the Christ. Do you know what's nine months before December twenty fifth? Mm. Yep, you did quick math. March twenty fifth. Okay. What's March twenty fifth? Spring equinox. Nine months after the spring equinox, winter solstice, March twenty fifth to December twenty fifth. The belief in the story at the time was that the the earth was created on the spring equinox, the birthday of the earth, the creation day. Like, have you ever wondered, well, what day did God create the earth? Well, it was March 25th. It was the spring equinox. So that's sort of, the calendar then sort of starts there, and then you go in this you know, yearly cycle from its day of its birth. So the spring equinox is referred to as the birth of the universe. They also said that was the conception day of Jesus in the body of Mary. So conception day, March 25th, nine months later, a perfect period of time for gestation, then the birth of Jesus on December 25th as the beloved son of God. Wow. So one of these two reasons is how this all comes together, right? So why is it on December 25th? It's not because the the date in the scriptures match the December narrative. In fact, Jesus's story is probably related somewhere to April. If you were to somehow do all the math right. inside the New Testament, you're probably going to end up somewhere inside of April. But they also didn't seem to think the exact date was important enough to even record. It Great didn't point. really matter. The Gospels didn't list that date. That wasn't the thing. The important date, you know, was the Passover related to the the resurrection. That's an important date. So that thing gets locked in. And the Passover is a movable feast, by the way. So Christmas, the Christ Mass in its early Christian orientation was put in by the Roman emperor via the church so that the winter solstice would also be the time when the story of the sending of the beloved Son of God to the earth took place. That's the Christmas story, right? Well, for hundreds of years, nearly a thousand years, it wasn't that big of a holiday at all. The winter solstice stayed a really big holiday in a lot of places, especially in, in Anglo-Saxon uh, uh, nations or Anglo-Saxon uh, areas and territories before they became nations. And then when they became nations like Germany and Austria and all these places, became a really big deal. And so the winter solstice and the St. Nicholas and all that stuff sort of comes along, you know, in the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s. The people in the who were first on the lands as as occupiers in the United States are the Puritans. So they really come in force. 1600s. You know what the Puritans did not want? People celebrating Christmas. <laughs> because Christmas had really been a Catholic and an Orthodox holiday. So there was no celebrating Christmas 
for the Puritans. Mm. Here's where, Dan, I think this, this gets really interesting. There's a lot of people who like to say things like, America was started as a Christian nation were founded as a Christian nation. Some people want to take this to the Puritans when they first came. Other people want to get up into the 1740s, 50s, 60s, and ultimately 70s when the United States finally breaks away from England. They want to say that in both of those periods of time, this was a Christian nation and Christianity was the dominant religion. And the reason for the founding of the United States was the protection and the extension of Christianity in the world. Right. That's the foundation for a lot of people of Christian nationalism, even Christian nation as a Christian heritage. That's its, that's its beginning. Which begs the question, what did the colonists want to be free from in England? What religion was over there? That is a great point. What were they fleeing? Why were the Puritans fleeing the <laughs> Christian nation of England? Well, it's because they didn't agree with their theology in this case, the Anglican Church, what we'd call the Episcopal Church in the United States, looks and feels to a lot of people like Catholicism, and certainly did to them. They didn't want Roman Catholicism from Italy. They didn't want Anglicanism from England. They wanted their own expression. And so many of the Anabaptist traditions and other people wanted to come to this land where they could be freed from a Christian tradition they didn't agree with. To our point today, what comes along with that Christian tradition? Oh, the Christ Mass did. So a lot of these folks didn't celebrate uh, Christmas. Not until 1870 was Christmas a national holiday in the United States. 1870. Not 1643. Not 1776. Not 1790. Not the foundation of the Constitution. Not the launching of our nation. For those people who want to say that this is a Christian nation and Christmas is the anchor point to Christianity's narrative and therefore culturally needs to be supported and protected and not matched up with a happy holidays or you know warm solstice to you or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or any of the other holidays. No, no, no. Christmas needs to have its own special place. They've got a bit of a question to answer, and that is, if that's true, that this is a Christian nation, founded as a Christian nation, either by the Puritans or by the Reformers, and then made Christian in its orientation, why was Christmas not celebrated, not a holiday, not important culturally, to all of those people for all that period of time. Why does it take until 1870 before the United States? After the Civil War, by the way, and a big piece of why 1870 was trying to bring the country together. So why is it that Christmas was not a thing for nearly 100 years after the country was, you know, officially founded with the Constitution and the and the Declaration of Independence, and for 250 years from the time that the Puritan, you know, uh, uh, captive takers came came to this land. So this is a okay because Christmas is in so many ways a very modern creation, especially the way people. that we celebrate it. Oh yeah, like if you. Like, 
Look, red, if, if you, red clad Santa Claus was made up by Coca Cola, like, you know, Coca Cola. They, they took crazy old Saint, like the old pictures of Saint Nick from you know from the 1700s in Scandinavia. Oh, and I should the, have pulled the German some of those. one. Just, just terrifying. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> he's kind of a you know, he's like I'm going to get you, kids. Like that kind of guy turned into rosy cheeked, smiley Santa Claus. That transformation was made by an artist for Coca Cola because they wanted to take Santa Claus. People say for a lot of reasons, but and including because soda. of red and white, that he really matched. He was a great, <laughs> he was a great uh, mascot. So they made him into jolly old Saint Nick, right? So all of that stuff, and even the holiday, even the Christian holiday, even the 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 liturgical holiday, was not seen as the significant landing point, center anchor point of Christianity for a very long time. So if you're being told or believe somehow because this is what, what came to you or you, you chose it out of a set of beliefs in a click-down box somewhere, that what makes Christianity Christian is first of all you start with Christmas and the meaning in this in the story of Christmas and that's important in this nation for some sort of nation reasons and when we fight against the establishment of Christ Christmas as this as a central holiday of of the religion and of the nation then somehow we're unwinding the purpose of the country which most people's war on Christmas argument is somehow it weakens the country right it's it it, it somehow well, I saw one headline it was like the war on christmas is a war on america like they mm -hmm. they just draw that line like just, just it's right there <laughs> <laughs> equals just an equal sign which know? is wrong on two fronts one there's no war on christmas and also no. even if there was it's not a war on america just the yes. <laughs> it, it wouldn't even be a war because ha okay again if because so many of these same people have the, the importance of this narrative of America, Christian nationalist narrative and all the rest of it, is its founding narratives. So if you're going to say a war on Christmas or uh, not caring about Christmas or not acknowledging Christmas or the Bidens sending their Christmas card and says happy holidays and not Merry Christmas is somehow a subtle attack on Christmas because they're trying to obliterate Christmas and not have it be a thing. Then why for a hundred years after the founding of the nation was Christmas not on national holiday? Because back then, with all the wisdom of the founders, with all the genius, with all the God-inspired, for people who believe this, the God-inspired narratives that came in to found this nation, like the way the scriptures were given as the very gift of God, so was the Constitution. Apparently, these people didn't have the common good sense to establish a Christmas holiday in the United States. It's because they didn't think Christmas was a big deal. Because culturally... Christmas in the 1770s, 80s, 90s, and all those 1870s wasn't a big deal. Even when it was established as a federal holiday, many people didn't even observe it. They didn't even pay attention to it. It, it, it really was not until post-World War I, hmm. and even more so post-World War II, when Christmas took on a mythical kind of sense. And truthfully, that's the period of time that when people are talking about when Christmas really reigned in the United States, they're really talking about something post 
post-World War II, you know, 1945 to 1960, somewhere in that 15-year mm-hmm. period. Uh, that, that's the, the kind of Christmas story that they're talking about. So whether you go into the Christian history of Christmas or you go into the United States history, in neither of those do you have a narrative that matches the way people who talk about the war on Christmas talk about Christmas now. Right. It just doesn't fit. It's been there's been this other thing created, which we can just say to ourselves, "Hey, this is better." Like we created this holiday, or we took this holiday and morphed it into meaning that we think is important, and we really want to put a lot of emphasis on it. Fair enough, right? You can do that. That's nothing wrong with that. I mean, let's make up holidays, right? From Festivus to, you know, Kwanzaa. (laughs) You can make up all these holidays so that a group of people feels like they're able to tell a story collectively for all the reasons that you have holidays, right? But what you don't get to do is somehow say that from the founding of whatever, Christianity or the founding of the nation, this Christmas narrative has been the anchor point that other things are tied into. And if you lose that, then you just lose it all, which is what people say over and over and over, right? Why why have we gotten rid of the great traditions that made this country? And how come we have to then mix it in with all these other things? It just isn't, it just isn't the case. It's not a birthday party. It wasn't even a, a, a religious holiday that all the religious traditions of Christianity held to. And, and thought was important. It wasn't important in the United States for, and this is, uh, maybe my math is a little off, but it's not really an exaggeration. Only for less than half of our time as a nation has Christmas been seen as a collective, yeah, that's a big deal holiday. Mm-hmm. Like half of it. And it wasn't the founding. And to all the people who, right. you know, have their Christian nationalism thing, if it, whatever was there at the beginning, that's the real stuff. That's the true Mm-hmm. That's if you really want to get back to the founding of this country and what made this country <laughs> great with its great patriots, then get rid of that holiday because they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And they knew about it. It's not like they didn't know that the Catholics were celebrating Christmas. You know why they fought about having it be a national holiday in the United States? Because even in 1870, it was seen predominantly as an Anglican and a Catholic mm-hmm. holiday. And if you don't remember your history, the Catholics and the Anglicans were not well received in the new country because yeah. the Anglicans were from the Church of England, and if a lot of people felt like those folks were, you know, still really with England, and the Catholics really had their authority tied into the Pope in in mm-hmm. Italy. So those traditions were not the major ones of the United right. States. Yeah. So and look, it's I think it's a beautiful thing that. Christmas, Christmas has evolved and changed over the years and pulled from different cultures. You know, we didn't have Christmas trees until the Germans or whoever decided that was a thing. The to- Dutch, to- you know, totally. added their flavor. 1931 or something before you started really decorating Christmas trees. <laughs> <And> somebody <laughs> figured out how to how to put those things in your house, you yeah. know, and not not burn the not burn the thing down. And actually, Christmas trees were connected to plug-in lights, and there's just all kinds of little history about the development of where all these little traditions came from. Mm -hmm. You know, the Yule log was kind of one of the big ones, and the Yule log has nothing to do with the Christian narrative of Christmas or the liturgical mass of the Christ mass. It's it's a winter solstice story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I think you're right. Like, look, great. I think Christmas is fabulous and kind of wonderful, and we, we, we have gifts and people who 
have their Christian story and can find the corresponding kind of matching rhythms and rhymes to their to their to their Christian story in the Christmas story. Great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Christian people ought to do all the time is find the very rhythm of the story that you that drives your life. Find that everywhere. Find mm-hmm. that on every road, on every path, with every holiday. Find the places where those human connections of truth are made and keep them alive. Of course, do that. But man, when people get luxury about it, you know, like, well, at this time, I just really want to get a little more serious here and about the birth of Jesus and all. I'm like, oh, okay, I think that's great. <laughs> but that's not how, the, how Christmas even needs, Christmas itself doesn't even need to be thought of that way. Like, like there, there is a Christian reference to the holidays and stuff. And if you go to a church or you do some of that rest of that, it's, it's Christmas, but so is the secular versions of Christmas, right? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's equal. In fact, without the secular versions of Christmas in World War II, we would never would have had it because we took and borrowed even more of the English narratives into our American psyche. You know, the, the, the period from the revolution until World War II, there was still a lot of stress and strain with England, right, in the American, in the American psyche. Because it's easy to think, well, that was a long time ago, but it wasn't all that long of a period of time from when there was a revolution and like these are the people we're throwing off the shackles of, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and we're moving on. And then World War II and us coming, and World War I in part, but really World War II coming around to support England and to support the protection from the attacks of Germany, we started singing more English songs and telling more English stories and taking in more English mm. uh, uh, narratives. And along with that came the English version of Christmas. <laughs> so uh, anyway, there's just, uh, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot more going on with, with all the, so that's my little history before we talk more about the, you know, the political implications of all of this is that, that Christmas has this really like full rich history to it that is, I think actually much more interesting than somehow the Magi showed up and from that day on Christmas was the essential was the essential <laughs> story. Like it, it, no, it's uh, it's not it's not a birth narrative, it's a sending narrative, which is a theological term. And I know a lot of people don't really care about that and they're just like, oh, you theologians and your theological differences between birth narratives and sending narratives. But the Christ Mass is not a baby was born. I mean, that's Silent Night. The Christian theological narrative is that into the world was the very presence of God manifest. That's the story, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's it's more Gospel of John than it is, you know, the the manger stories of, right. of Matthew and Luke. The, the, theologically, that's yeah. How. We like to do a lot of retconning. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but like in the Star Wars universe or the Marvel Mm -hmm. universe, it's called retroactive Mm -hmm. continuity. You have to like, oh, the early movies don't quite line up with the story we're trying to sell now. And so we have to make up something that, okay, now uh, maybe this can work if we kind of massage this here and there. We do that with American history. We, We forget that... We just added in God we trust to our dollar bills, you know, a few decades back or yes. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally. Adding what, what's, God what's that into phrase the called again? Ret- Retcon. Retcon, yeah. So retroactive continuity. 
So, you know, in the new <laughs> Star Wars movies, Retinon. they had to figure out, okay, how do we get from these original movies where there's some gaping plot holes to the story we want to tell now? Nice. Yeah, that, to- that is exactly the, the happening that's going on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and look, that, that's what human beings do. Okay, so I'm not I'm not trying to poke holes, and I'm not somebody who's like, oh, let's show you that Christianity was a myth made up by a bunch of people, and then they had to make piece a story together and you know fill in all the gaps with some other narratives. No, th- this is this is how people take multiple stories of the human experience and in human civilizations and explanations of society and culture and make sense out of them. They're that's what we do. And what we should be acknowledging is, oh, that's really great. Look what we did. Yeah. Instead, what people do is they take, to borrow your phrase, this retcon uh, version, and they try to say, no, 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 it just it just goes straight. And the authority, therefore, is unquestionable mm-hmm. because it's origin, because it's root. It's It's somewhere that before we started fussing with it, it was true. Well, that's just not the story of anything and certainly not the story of Christmas <laughs> and the rest of it. What we're doing is we're piecing together all of these. Th- th- this is what human beings and human consciousness are able to do. And the storytelling narratives that comes with consciousness, that's what <laughs> that's how human beings live. And it's really great. So you sing songs and you eat food and you light trees and you give gifts and you tell stories and you bring all of this stuff together and it's it's more like the create it's more a creative act of mm-hmm. generative participation than it is trying to hold and maintain some storyline that people are attacking the whole time. Right. right? <laughs> and for whatever reason, certain conservatives and certain um, uh, uh, originalists just really like a story that is something was true. We're trying to hold the line and people are attacking it and mm-hmm. we're going to hold it and pre- preserve as opposed to. Or we're to, trying to get back to it. We yes, strayed yes. from what was the understood truth forever, and now we just have to get back to it. Like, and no, instead, what, we, what, <laughs> what are we? What, what are we actually yeah. doing? What are we trying to get back to? It wasn't you know what, what this, we think it was. You know what that that phrase you just used kind of reminds me of back in the for me back in the '90s, maybe late '80s or early '90s. I, I was coming of adult age. Uh, and so paying attention to lots of like, how does a person make their life? And the Christian world that I was in had its own explanations for this. And part of it was to be a mission uh, aligned person, like to have a personal mission statement mm. and to state what that is and to lock into that and to build your life around it and then on some regular rhythm, yearly or more often, check your progress toward your determined mission goal. Okay, this this kind of thing, and what what and and usually that was rooted in something that was uh, origin in you, some some ultimate truth about you, and then how are you going to stay on true course while the world tries to buffet you around and move you to 
other places. So this was the, this was the story. And there are all kinds of books and conferences and and talks and and uh, 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 things you could buy to help you do it. Journals and planning planning dealios. All this all this stuff. And it was so oppressive, right? Because I was like, I don't know, 23, 24. And I'm like, so at 23 years old, I'm supposed to pick this, <laughs> this mission. Somehow I'm going to define you know, or divine what it is. Then I'm going to lock into it. And then for the next 50 years, I'm going to live out a version of my 23-year-old self. <laughs> like It just never made sense to me. And if you try it for a month, you're just like, okay, there, there's too many things going on here. You know, there's too many inputs, let alone trying it for a year or through life changes. You fall in love or you have kids or you fall out of love or there's a death or life changes. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to make it up. Life just doesn't match that, that pattern. There's another version of that that I hear a lot now, and it's for pe people finding their mantras. You know, there's kind of a, mm, a yep. non, there's this other tradition language set that's kind of the same thing. Uh, it's true on a, on a lot of things, you know, there's kind of a deterministic thing that just kind of comes with law of attraction thinking. And there's mission statements that just become a, what's your mantra? What's the thing that's going to keep you on, on center? Look, whatever gets you around the horn, great. You know, you just you know, stay on the planet for another spin because, you know, we, we, we need us all here. So good for you. Having said that, it's not a great way to try to orient a life and <laughs> try to live. <laughs> a better way is to try to have a set of skills and capacities and experiences that you're weaving together in a constant act of co-creation and of, and of participatory engagement. That just seems to me to be a much better way to go. And, and I think it matches sort of the wisdom teaching of Jesus where Jesus says, look, the spirit blows where it will and you ought to follow, right? Like just go with the, <laughs> go with the spirit, go with the wind, go with the movement, as opposed to pick a course, like you're a ship captain and you're mm -hmm. trying to get to, you know, India and you certainly don't want to end up, you know, in, in Cuba and then call it India. That would be terrible. Columbus. Yeah, why is it that we are so drawn to specifics like that? Like we have to have a clear path, a clear destination, and if we stray from that, we're doing it wrong. Yeah, you know, we're about to all set New Year's resolutions that yep. most people will abandon in the first couple weeks, and then we'll feel guilty about it. Why do we? Why do we do that? <laughs> I, I, and look, I get it. You want a reference point. You want uh, uh, something to um, give you a sense of space and location, sort Structure, of metaphorically and sometimes yeah. literally. You know, you need a little bit of that. Well, I, I used to have this argument with a friend of mine named Dan, uh, Dan Kimball. I think oh, you yeah. mind that I say that we still have this. We still have. This. I think we would still. If if Dan and I we haven't gotten together uh, since couple of years before COVID, but if we were to get together now, it would probably take us about, you know, 20 minutes of, you know, just having a great time before somehow this, this metaphorical argument would come up again about whether uh, the concept of anchor is a reasonable concept for a human being or for religion. Oh, wow. So a lot of people really like the idea of anchoring. Like, what are you anchored into? Mm-hmm. And I think anchors are super great. Like 
the house that I'm in is anchored into a foundation and the foundation is sitting on a bedrock and then the walls are anchored in because this house is not meant to move. A ship should only anchor temporarily, right? A ship is made to go places. If you permanently anchor a ship, it's really not doing the function of a ship. So I would suggest that human life, religion, are better as seagoing vessels that are meant to move. Mm. And the way they stay safe, the way they stay secure, the way they stay together is to float and to move. Look, you, you might know this. Sometimes people who anchor their their boats and a huge storm or a hurricane or something comes in, you know what destroys that boat? That it was anchored, right? It starts moving and, and can only move part of it, you know, uh, only one one or three directions and starts crashing into other things because it can't float. It can't get yeah, free. Yeah, it can't move So a lot of waves. people go cut their anchors when there's that kind of weather coming and they let their boats go and float, right? And know mm -hmm. that they're going to ride the waves and they're going to, you know, because that's what they're designed to do. So which is the metaphor that we should have? That we should be anchored in, immovable, unchangeable, or... A better metaphor for life, for development, for relationships, for religion, for humans <laughs> is to not be anchored. Because look, we're we're pedal, we're bipedal people. We <laughs> human, we're bipedal creatures. We move. So mm -hmm. what? I mean, everything about you, every cell in your body is, you know, moving and like we are flow and action and all of this. That's the story of the human experience. And even things that we think are anchored, you know, can only stay anchored for, for so long. I mean, the core of the earth for love even, you know, is molten lava and stuff and is coming <laughs> up and shooting out of volcanoes. So there's a, there's a myth of anchoring that can be temporarily useful in certain environments and certain times for certain things, but it's not the metaphor for our lives. And for some reason, we pick anchoring and we pick a steady straight course. Mm -hmm. And that feels to people as if that's the uh, that should be the primary metaphor for their for their life and for their uh, for their relationships and for their view of themselves and all the rest of it and and maybe it's just different temperaments that feel better about that but life doesn't give you very many options to be um, to be anchored yeah yeah I, and I wonder if it is just a some people are more comfortable with uncertainty. Some people need more structure. Yeah. Maybe it is a temperament or personality thing. Yeah, but, I, I know. And I hear people say, like, I need more structure. But you're like, look, uh, a co-creative flow version has a lot of structure. There's a lot sure. there. It's not, <laughs> not namesy, Pam. I mean, look, we, we, we have this big storm coming, which I, th I think we're going to talk a little bit about it. Oh, yeah, we've got a, a, a bomb what, what, cyclone. We got a we got a bomb cyclone coming, <laughs> uh, and it caused me. I was supposed to go to Washington D.C. and go bowling at the White House tomorrow, and and I can't go now. Uh, the bomb thanks cyclone. Thanks to Winter yeah. Storm Elliot and the bomb the cyclone. Worst. Thanks, Elliot. Winter Storm Elliot. <laughs>
W.S. Elliot. (laughs) 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 Sounds like a ship. (laughs) Uh, um, So this big storm is coming. Storms like this are a great metaphor. There's all kinds of structure to them. There's all kinds of elements. They're even somewhat predictable. Like they're telling us now, okay, in the next number of hours, look outside, things are going to change and these winds are going to come and you better plan for it and cancel your flights and don't get stuck in an airport. These planes are not taking off, man. They're freaking out. Cancel, right? There's a lot of structure and a lot of predictability. It's, but it is moving in certain spaces and certain times under certain pressures with certain velocities, all that language, totally different metaphors than predictability, stay the path, anchoring in, rooted, all of that. Often what makes life make more sense for people is when they can swap their metaphors, right? Because most of the human experience is a series of metaphors, like the the human thought is a series of you, you start drilling down on what, when, when is something not a metaphor and when is something in just an actuality and you're like, okay. And people everything's too tied into a specific metaphor and get to like, what is, if we're a ship on the ocean, what are the wooden planks? What are that? What do yeah. they represent? You can get lost yeah. in the metaphor. Metaphor is a tool to help us understand reality, right. not reality itself. And, and if if you're someone who's into stability metaphors in your life, or uh, stability is probably the wrong word, uh, I- immovability. Which you can see where people would get it, you know, Peter, upon this rock I build my church. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot yeah. of that to be found. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, a foundation, because <laughs> the other thing is a foundation isn't the same thing. <laughs> like you rest on it, you don't anchor into it. I mean, there's just so many ways even that the, that the metaphors just get all, all misappropriated. <laughs> um, and, and this is what I think that a Christmas season, a Christmas experience can, can ask us to do is say, hey, is there some are there part of is there a part of a great grand metaphor of spirituality humanity i like the story of god manifest in jesus as the the big brother to all of humanity leading the way as the as the the new son of god in which the new family of god everyone's included and no one's excluded right i, I like that story and i want to apply that to my life and i want to apply that to other people and i think it's I think it's not just historic. I think somewhere it taps into this this reality of humanity. So it's it's a good one, and, and I want to use it. So what you want to do then is look at your life in a holiday period and say, what about this holiday has something to offer into my ecosystem of belief in what I'm trying to create that I could be adding in or that I could be letting go of or I could be rearranging or I could be putting something in a different priority. Like that's what we ought to do. Not be like, you know, back in the other days, Christmas wasn't so commercialized or before Christmas was like, oh my gosh, like this business about there was a time when it was all right. Um, You know that passage from the book of Ecclesiastes? I mean, Ecclesiastes, super old, kind of ancient, you know, Eastern uh, Hebrew wisdom literature. Has this line in there like... Slash nihilistic 
tendencies. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, do, yeah, don't don't go looking at that on you know on January second. That's there's parts of Ecclesiastes to skip when you're like, <laughs> oh, here we go again, another trip uh, rose. <laughs> but one of the passages in there is this because they're 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 all little like many of them are are, are pithy little statements, you know, little truthisms, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is don't keep looking. To the to yesterday or yesteryear as if it was so great, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> like so. Apparently, you know, twenty eight hundred years ago, people were like twenty nine hundred years ago wasn't so great, <laughs> right? <laughs> but and we act like no, that's the period of time that was so great. And they're like, no, no, no. You you keep thinking the previous time was so great. There's something in the human experience that wants to believe that before was better. Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve us very well. No. And yeah. uh, did you see that movie with? Um, boy, it was it was sure delightful. Uh, um, who's with Woody Allen? Woody Allen made this movie about these artists that can move between time, like from the nineteen sixties to the nineteen thirties to the eighteen seventies to the, mm. and they're okay. So that's not a very good description, but. Uh, <laughs> It is. Re- it's a Isn't Woody Allen like a horrible person now? Like we discovered. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I assume you know pretty much everybody at some point that made some great movie. We're going to be like, oh, geez, ah, geez, we just can't watch movies. Yeah. But 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 this movie is about the 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 notion that different artists think that the previous time was when everything was really great. Mm. So somehow they kind the of go back. Age of, yeah. And the people living then are like, if I could just get back 15 years, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's really quite, it's really quite low. I think it's something in Paris. Something mm. in Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a real winner. Well, to bring us to the present, there's some people that just really cling to this war on Christmas narrative. And uh, <laughs> I don't, did you see this? That... Outside of Fox News Studios, there's a giant Christmas tree. Someone lit it on fire. Oh, no. And just, they went wild with the war on Christmas. Very visible war on Christmas now. They're burning down Christmas trees. Turns out, it might not have been as uh, Christmas-oriented. It was a person who maybe had some mental health issues. Uh, he was homeless. And... Uh, he he burnt down the Christmas tree. Might not have been related to Christmas, but <laughs> <laughs> might have been related to a gigantic Christmas tree having more support than the people who are houseless yeah. in New York. The Maybe rogue arsonist. This is from the article. Played a perfect part in a narrative that Fox largely invented and has propagated relentlessly over the past two decades. The war on Christmas. It's a yeah. never-ending cultural conflict during which traditional, explicitly Christian celebrations of the holiday season are under assault from the sinister forces of secular pluralism. So yeah, just uh, like the first hundred years of the country when it was even wasn't even legally mandated to have a Christmas <laughs> holiday. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if somebody said, "Let's not have Christmas be a legal holiday"? People would be like, "You hate America!" <laughs> Isn't that 
imagine what it was like when George Washington. Yeah, let's go back to the George Washington <laughs> days of how they celebrated Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they Abraham didn't. Lincoln and uh, national <laughs> holiday for Christmas. Why is that? Yeah. Because you don't have to. It, but I think this gets at this idea of Christian supremacy that yes. Christianity is the norm. And anytime we even deviate from the norm, it's not like people are saying, don't celebrate Christmas. They're just right. saying, hey, let's remember there's several other holidays happening right now. Yeah. And so you can say happy holidays and be more inclusive to more people. That's not a war on Christmas. That's just acknowledging other people exist. But that totally. is seen as such an affront to Christendom that uh, people get real up in arms about it. It is something. Imagine, do you have any friends or family that have their their birthday is Christmas Day? Yeah, someone has it like the day after. So they're okay. Because those poor people on Christmas Day, if they run into these folks, those people are like, <laughs> hey, 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 it's Christmas, not your birthday. I know it's your birthday, but don't 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 try to trump Christmas. Yeah. Like one holiday at a time. And if it's Christmas, you don't get any others. So no happy birthday to you. We'll tell you happy birthday tomorrow. You wouldn't say that. So if you have a period of time where it's Hanukkah and Christmas or Kwanzaa or the winter solstice or happy Gitalati day, whatever, it doesn't take away from Christmas mm -hmm. that you have those other holidays any more than it takes away from Christmas that somebody has their birthday on Christmas. Christmas is not so insecure that it can't share. And right. this narrative that Somehow, if you aren't explicitly Christmas, and in a weird way, religious people, Christian religious people, we tend to separate out from one another, you know, like it's nobody's business, right? Figuring out who has the best way to say it. I mean, whose particular version of Christmas are we nationally celebrating? Mm -hmm. Which, which, which one is that? I mean, should we pick the uh, should we pick the Eastern Orthodox Church because they they don't do Christmas till like January seventh because they're on the you know the Gregorian calendar or something. So they, they've got a whole different calendar of when they're doing and what they're doing and what they're up to. But they're Christian. So which one of the Christian stories are we supposed to take as the as the as the dominant one? Well, we don't. We somehow have made a ubiquitous American and kind of conservative religious rights, not even fully religious right, political rights version of what really makes Christmas Christmas. And somehow the war on that <laughs> is uh, uh, somehow re real damaging. And, and I hear this and I've heard it for years and I have family members that believe that there's a war on Christmas and I just truly don't know what they're talking about. Right, I, I, and they'll I say things like, possibly we can't it. even say Merry Christmas anymore. Like, who is preventing you personally yeah. from saying, no one. There's, <laughs> And they'll point to this, things like Target is telling their employees to say Happy Holidays instead of yes. Merry Christmas or whatever. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't only say Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most places where someone is, you know, where someone has a constituency larger than, you know, their five friends... They're trying to say like, hey, don't only say that thing because this is truly a holiday season. Mm -hmm. And from somewhere, maybe you pick Halloween, 
maybe you pick Thanksgiving, maybe you pick Black Friday, some period in there until some unknown period. Probably for most people, it's just New Year's Day, but for some religious people, they want to go a day or two after that. There's just a whole collective of holidays. You know? So you're just greeting someone in this season. You know, that that's it. That's all people are saying when they say happy holidays. They're not saying, I'm not saying Christmas. Yeah. And by saying to an employee, hey, uh, when you greet people, don't just pick one. Give them the full, give them the full thing. Like ask them for, for happiness and goodness on, on all of it. Like, why mm -hmm. wouldn't you do that? How does that take away from anything else i i don't understand it yeah. uh and and if you want if you want christmas to have you know more meaning uh well then you know maybe spend a little time on the meaning of christmas because not to be you know real ratty about this but most I, i'm going to sound like someone who you know has a master's degree in theology because i do <laughs> Listening to people who talk about we've lost the meaning of Christmas describe what the meaning of Christmas is is a description of something that has almost no bearing to any other significant meaning of what Christmas is. It's just utter nonsense that most people are <laughs> are saying when, when they say the true meaning of Christmas is, and you're like, the Th that might be a thing you think is important and true. Right, yeah. That it's might be the way Christmas. you celebrate Christmas. That might yes. be some family traditions. <laughs> that might be what makes it meaningful for you. Yeah, so you want to get into that, tr yeah, which is why I want to start this whole little you know, uh, rant day on, look, if you're going to try to claim Christmas as this thing you're really defending and this thing you're really holding on to, you best be looking around a bit for for why why it is that you know, especially if you don't want it to be like mixed with anything. You want it to be pure, okay? So you don't want it to be mixed with the winter solstice. You don't want it to be mixed with the Catholic Church. You don't want it to be mixed with cultural expressions. There is no Christmas then because it was. <laughs> That's all that that's it was made by people in a certain time to take right. another holiday and extend their this additional teaching that they wanted to give more attention to in a culturally appropriate way. That's why we ended up there. And then they retconned their way into <laughs> why yeah. it all makes sense. That, that's that's all you got. So if you want to do the true meaning of Christmas stuff. Well, you're gonna have to get rid of Santa and the reindeer. Yeah. And the trees, and the lights, and the twenty fifth of December, <laughs> the actual <laughs> because <date. laughs> why? Why is it that day? I mean, I, there's no difference between the twenty fifth of December as the chosen holiday and Santa Claus. There's no difference between those two things as being additives to this story. Mm -hmm. They're both design they both function as ways to communicate a christmas story so yeah. you want to unravel that at some point okay can i use this analogy i don't know I'm what analogy about, you're about to use I, but i give you permission <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you. I just want a carte blanche uh, permission to use. To, I need to have like a like a button that's like um, that's like uh, analogy uh, analogy request. Just <laughs> analogy request. Space. I'm putting in an official. I'm f filling yeah. out the form for for an analogy. It's the difference between an orange and an onion. All right. So picture these two things in your in your mind's eye. Or I don't know. Go to your if you're in your kitchen. You know, open the open the drawer and pull one out. A lot of people think about Christmas. Fill in the blank of your of your particular issue, though. You could you can use this 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 analogy. This thing this thing carries. They think about it like an orange. When you're going to consume an orange, what you often will do uh, is take off the peeling. Now, some people just like to slice them, you know, like in sports games for kids, you know, so they can yep. just suck on the orange peel. Well, <laughs> normally what you do is you peel the orange peeling back, and then inside you have the fruit, all the tasty stuff, the good, the stuff you want, mm -hmm. and you throw away the peeling. A lot of people think that's the way truth is, and that's how culture develops around some truth. So the mm. orange itself, the fruity part, is what you want. That's the truth. But then culture or systems or people or tradition forms this peeling around it. And what we need to do, the project then is, is to tear away that peeling so you get back to the pure thing. It's like someone's, you know, uh, 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 taking a piece of painted furniture and stripping off all the paint to get down to just the bare wood, right? Something's covering the true thing. This orange is in there. Let's get the peeling off. And there we go. So a lot of people are like, oh, there's all this stuff that's been layered on top of the truth of Christmas. Let's peel it all away and just have mm -hmm. the sweet, pure fruit, right? What you realize is that you no know, Christmas and fill in your blank for lots of other things, is less like an orange and more like an onion. Start peeling an onion, one little peeling at a time. By the time you get done peeling the onion and get all the way down to the center, there's just one more piece of peeling left. The onion is a series of peels. That's all. <laughs> there's no center to it. It's made up of one little piece at a time. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. An onion is not a, f it's, it's not some woke liberal version of an orange. <laughs> it's how an onion is made, all the goodness that comes out of an onion. So some things are like oranges, like oranges, and some things are like onions, like onions and Christmas. It's a series of these peelings. So if you try to keep ripping, let's take away Christmas, let's take away consumerism, let's take away the church, let's take away, you're going to end up, there's nothing there. It's mm -hmm. all a series of those things. But what you've got as a whole is pretty great. But sometimes you want to like cut an onion or peel part of it off and get to, and you, you don't want those, you want this, fair enough. But don't tell yourself what you're really doing is just getting rid of that which is added to mm -hmm. get to that thing that was pure. That metaphor is, to me, has been an, an extremely helpful uh, reference point for a whole lot of uh, these kinds of cultural ideas. Yeah. And, and, and so that's what we have. We have a series of, of layers that create something 
significant and, and legitimate. But could you still have an onion if you get rid of half the layers? Yep, you still have an onion. It's smaller, <laughs> but it's still an onion, right? And, yeah. and so there's, there, there's a way for us, I think, to think about these things where it's like, okay, I don't, I don't have to live in this world in which some things are disposable and useless or add-ons or harmful, even worse. And, and that's really at the heart of the war on Christmas. Somehow people think there's a pure orange in there. And um, someone's trying to get rid of it by saying it's a series of that's actually you know a series of peelings is actually right. It. Yeah. Who knew onions the woke oranges? <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't sell onions anymore. Is is Florida because they're just into oranges down there? I mean it's you know it's the Sunshine State and the orange is their biggest crop and you know so they're they're really into just. <laughs> Just that having woke oranges down there with their with their onions. No way. All right. Well, hey, ha happy solstice. Uh, get outside while you can because the sun's not going to be out for much longer. I think it. I think it goes away at four forty eight Eastern time. Yeah. The, let's see where. Uh, I had it. Wow! Look at that thing. Look at that. Uh, if if you're just listening to the podcast, you, you really miss out. Go over to our U YouTube channel and look at all these uh, charts. I got charts graphs. We got oh, Miami still has 10 hours and 32 minutes of, I mean, yeah, what's it like down get, in Key West, which yeah, is another you get down near you know, the equator miles. and you're split but pretty they're, evenly. But they're at 11 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. This, this, this whole, you know, thing about like longest day, shortest day. If you live at the equator, you're like, oh yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> always the same around here. Sun's, you know, sun's up at six, down at six, up at six, down at six. Mm -hmm. Uh but you know, I guess uh, you and I are somewhere in the nine hours of sunlight today. Yeah, really? Boy, I've got just seem... four hours left, basically, of sunlight. So I got to get yeah, out you're there. Wasting, you're wasting time. And we got to you know, gear up for the bomb cyclone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get ready. Winter get ready storm because... Elliot is uh, now going to turn into a bomb cyclone. A friend of mine tweeted, I'm sorry, but bomb cyclone sounds made up. I think they're just, <laughs> they're just making up a lot of things these days. It's called yeah, well, winter up here in Michigan. I don't know. It's also called words. Like <laughs> words. Uh, you know, um, a lot of people don't like to admit this, but um, all words are made up. <laughs> yeah. that's We're just making that's... all this up as we go. Now, some of them are just made up with no reference point some of them are made up as little hybrids some of them are made up as derivatives but they're all just made up oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great and then somebody you know uh puts them uh puts them in the dictionary and has a, a group of people decide yep nope this is now a word and yep. uh we're now gonna we're now gonna make it official yeah uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how big the dictionary was when they did the first one, but it's it's bigger now because we keep making up, yeah, keep making up words, and uh, yeah, the bomb cyclone. That's that's a great. Is that what it's called? No, the bomb bomb cyclone. Bomb cyclone, but it's why no. is it a cyclone? Well, that's that's where. What's I, a cyclone? What do words even mean? If uh, yeah, oranges, <laughs> onions. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Let's is an orange or peel this weather onion. Hey, that well, movie's called uh, 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 Midnight in Paris. Okay. Midnight in Paris. So if you can get over watching I a Woody Allen yeah, movie. I still won't uh, watch it. But. 
are, are you in are you in that are you in that world where any piece of art by someone who it becomes tainted to me be, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah one of my favorite songwriters uh is ryan adams not brian adams oh, and ryan adams came out that he was you know, dirty a, rain a, is a great yeah song. just terrible uh terrible person with mm-hmm. underage girls and I haven't listened to a song of his since. Mm-hmm. Not that I think that's like helping yeah. cancel him or whatever. I just, that art has become tainted to me. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, a lot of reasons why someone would just say, can't do it. Yep. That's why I can't listen to Spotify because Joe Rogan. <laughs> I totally hear you. <clears throat> and, yep. and everybody, and, and people have their own, their own makeup of that stuff. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have a hard what time level with Kevin Spacey movies for some reason. Um, now, you know, yeah, and uh, but for some reason, Midnight in Paris, and I've never thought Woody Allen was all that, uh, you know, uh, but this one film that was that was pretty great. So that's funny, isn't it? How 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 we are about about that, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely all making up our own rules about it. So then yeah, to get mad at someone else for not time for us, yeah, 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 Can because clearly, like from the creator. <laughs> Yeah, I went to I went to Lindbergh High School was the was the name of our high school. It was named after the um, Minnesota based, oh, uh, yeah, Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh. Oh, the guy who flew around the country. Some I think he's a Minnesotan. Um, before he was a Nazi, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you know our I, th- I think still our our uh, our terminal here in at the Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport is Lindbergh Terminal. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, th- those little things just, you know, but then I drive a Ford. Well, and Henry Ford yeah. was a real but then you get I mean, back he's Elon Musk fathers, level. you know, like George Washington had the teeth of slaves in his mouth. You know, they he pulled teeth from slaves, enslaved people, so that he could have teeth. Well, I wasn't going to live with those wooden teeth anymore. I mean, what was, what was, <laughs> those wooden ones were Remember that out. wooden tooth thing when I was a kid? Yeah, like that. Those the... myths. About... Yeah, no, seriously. I listened to this podcast about the the, the Slave Fugitive Act. Do you know about the, the Slave Fugitive Act? Okay, so there was a law in place where if a slave ran away and even went to a free, na- free uh, state, that the federal law was that slave owners could go and get them. Wow. And why was that a law that was passed? Because George Washington's slave ran away. Wow. So yep. to his dying day, he was supporting the Slave Fugitive mm-hmm. Act. So, yeah, I mean, this, this podcast. Yeah, you peel that onion. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and, and that's an orange, and that thing's rotten on the inside. Don't yeah. you? It's like that skunk fruit. Uh, skunk yep. fruit that you peel, and it's... Horrible, I, but this is um, so. Somewhere we navigate this stuff, right? And we we find a. Be, be, and and I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't have these and, and moral rules and and that everything's equal. For sure, not you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a hard it's a hard question to uh, to, to to wrestle with, you know. Yeah. Um, there's there's little at a long term systemic level that holds up holds up very very well like of of our systems sure. that exist 
where their their history is not riddled with terribleness. Mm-hmm. And, and 50 so a guy years like from Ryan now, Adams hasn't hasn't Ryan Adams sort of come to grips with with that is try to make amends try to move forward is that not the case do you know uh i was not satisfied with his oh. response to it well he kind of played the victim and was like yeah didn't didn't no. seem like he got it mm. but I, I haven't he, paid too much attention since so it's well, possible no, he's yeah. really you know Changed turned a corner ways. yeah and uh, did did you see that there was a trial in Germany yesterday for a ninety seven year old woman? Oh, the Nazi like the secretary when she yeah. was eighteen, and she was in charge of one of the camps, it's, uh, documenting and keeping things running at a camp in Poland. Wow! And she was convicted of being, you know, accountable for more than ten thousand deaths. Oof. And at the end of her life, she was still, I mean, she's still alive. When she was 96 a year ago, she said, I can't, I can't go to court. I'm too sick. And the day before her trial, the judge said, you're still going to court. You're still doing this thing. She ran away from the, the, the care facility she was at and ran, <laughs> ran through the woods and they had to go get her. What? <laughs> like still running away wow. from, from that. And then gave some, you know, hey, I'm sorry for what happened, but you know, what was, what was someone like me supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, it, it's you know I I don't know what you were supposed to do, but probably not just live your life for another right. you know seventy years and then not take any accountability. And so yeah. they gave her two two years of like probation or something. <laughs> <laughs> she's, yeah, she's, it, you know, like what do you how do you punish you, you know th- this is what makes that stuff just so outrageously right. absurd is that the crime is so bad. Yeah, there's it's just what. What do you possibly do? But oftentimes, you know, you don't convict someone of these crimes f- only because of what it does to them. It's what it does to the rest of society to, to have some level of recognition yeah. of the horribleness mm-hmm. of it. And it's a reminder, like, that wasn't that long ago. Like, people are alive that participated in these sorts of evils. Yeah. Yeah, so, and she wasn't, she, she was like 18 at the time, you know, like, <clears throat> so you, it, that that's easy to say. Literally, we're now to the point where that whole generation is gone. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> There's, you know, she's and here in America, done, the people that were protesting, you know, the desegregation of schools that were standing outside and throwing rocks at little kids, right. they're still around. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, they're still around. Yeah, yeah, they might still keep rocks in the back of their trucks. Yeah. But that's a conversation for, uh, for happy Christmas, day. happy yeah, Merry happy Christmas, solstice. you filthy animals! <laughs> <laughs> On this dark, dark day, you know, least the least amount of, of daylight. All days. And that's another. Hey, another thing which I was going to say: uh, less daylight means that there's less light. Doesn't mean things are bad. There's a there's a thing we do in our society. At least mm-hmm. I do it more often than I should. Where like darker days then goes into darkness, which then goes into things that are wrong, and that that correlating between dark and bad is really bad. Mm-hmm. That's a that that's a problem because it carries over into other other issues, including how we think about human human beings and people that have different pigment yeah. orientations. And so there's this 
you know, nighttime or lack of sun, while not being as pleasant and warm typically, is not better or worse. It's just <laughs> more or less light. But there's not a there's no moral equivalent uh, to right. it. And that's another thing that we tend to to do. And that's one of the things that comes in on the solstice narrative is that, oh, things are better when there's more light. Yeah. I mean, that was probably true when you know we were all subsistence farmers and it just meant that you know the dark days of winter, you weren't eating as much. Like that was a correlation that existed, but we're kind of past that. Yeah, maybe easier or harder would be a would would, would be a th- could could be a thing maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. But I personally enjoy nighttime. So, you see, this is this is what I'm getting at. Like I know people that like have houses with windows, big beautiful windows, and during the day they close the shades. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> really, you're just making it like it's nighttime. Oh, it's vampires had it figured out. You know? We don't have we don't have window coverings on lots of our windows in our house. It's, Really, really bonkers. Yeah. All right, everybody. Our, thanks our neighbors everyone. wish we did. I can tell, I can tell you that. It'd be a Christmas <laughs> gift to all of them if we were to do that. Well, happy Christmas. Happy solstice. Thanks, Hans. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Hans, welcome aboard. I don't know when you when you got into this flow uh, with us. Yeah, but, but thanks, okay, for, nice to, thanks for thanks for chatting. Nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. Real. Hi, Peggy. Dave. We'll see y'all. <laughs> Fox News tree on fire. Cool. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye.